Um, okay, so I was walking. I don't know if you've seen this. You may have seen this. I was walking downtown uh-huh. and I saw a movie poster. Yeah. And it said, it said, coming to theaters finally. Because, like, there's been a lot of movies. There's been a lot of movies that, you know, been waiting in anticipation, been wanting to see, you know? And so it's like, uh-huh. I get it that, like, people are, it's a really big amped up thing you got excited about. And so coming to theaters, finally, huge letters. Finally. Peter Rabbit 2. <laughs> Which, like, I'm so glad because... I was so mad that I've been waiting. I They took this. It, this is over a year ago we were supposed to get this. And COVID took it away from me. But oh, finally, finally it has come to theaters. And God, I'm just so yeah. glad that that people can have this experience now all together. You know, James Corden. Because, like, where was he, James Corden? I was yeah. missing him so bad yeah. throughout the whole pandemic. I would yes. wake up every morning and I'd look out my window and I'd say, James Corden today? And there'd be no James Corden at Just all. Just not enough. Man, Peter Rabbit, too. Are you Hell are yeah. you excited for movies? Have you seen a movie yet in theaters? I haven't seen a movie yet in theaters. I'm saving myself. I'm saving uh-huh. myself, Joe. I'm for, saving myself. For who? For Dev Patel. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Green Knight. Oh man, that's gonna be a choice theater going experience. Yeah, I'm gonna see. I swear to God, I'm gonna see it like three fucking times. I should yeah, not. I, I gotta tell you, I was very confused by the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. no idea what's going on, but I was like, I am for sure gonna see it because Def Patel. I'm peeking so much, but it's fine because I'm excited. It's so it like like. The trailer was clearly, it made me clear that I was like, this is going to be a journey of self-discovery, of redemption, and it's going to be fucking tight, but also, it's going to, it, the vibes, all oh, the vibes, though, it's going to be, just everything about it was so, everything about it so choice. They released that teaser that played before the last movie that I saw in theaters ever, well, not ever, but, you know, before everything, which was Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> um... And they played like a teaser trailer for it. I don't know why, where it was like only a few shots. And one of the shots was like Dev Patel standing at the bottom of a hill and at the top of a hill, a giant hand like reaches up over it through some fog. And from that shot alone and the fact that Dev Patel was in it, I was like, I'm fucking on board. I'm a thousand percent on board. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I'm excited. I don't. I don't need anything else. I don't need to know anything about the plot or anything. I'm just there for Dev Patel. I'm sure yeah. I'll enjoy it too. We have, because <laughs> as is the theme of this show, we have a track record of watching movies only for beautiful men. Yep. Yep. That's just how I live my life. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> I also recently watched The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard just because Ryan Reynolds is in it. And you know I got to support my man, my Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Because, I mean, if you didn't, he'd, he'd turn off your phone. Did you see the other day when I tweeted, like, ten times in Mint Mobile? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I wanted attention. <laughs> and you thought Ryan Reynolds was going to give it to you? Not even Ryan Reynolds, just whatever intern is working the Mint Mobile
and welcome to Brody Quest. I'm Josette. And I'm Shannon. And here on Brody Quest, what we like to do is we like to take a chronological uh, sort of mystery, uh, magical mystery tour through the works of actor Adam Brody. Joe, I'm going to tell you the first thing that we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about it very briefly. And I was the only one who watched the whole thing for a good reason. Uh, It's a movie called Death in Love. It came out in 2008, I believe, uh, and it was a fucking weird, it was a weird one. It was a, it was a weird one. Do you want to, do you want to talk about maybe the first part that you saw and also tell me the point where you stopped watching? Yeah, so um, I looked up what this movie was and I said, oh great, it's about Nazis. I was already not excited because I was just like... Because you were overjoyed. You are so excited. I was, said, oh, great. I was, yeah, I was obviously overjoyed. Who doesn't love a Nazi movie? Anyways, I start watching it and it is immediately... It's not just, oh, this is a Nazi movie. It's taking place at a concentration camp. So I'm like, oh, yeah. this is not going to be what I want to just be watching right now. And it pretty quickly just started um, showing, I mean, at first it just starts and you can hear screams, and then it just starts showing all these different ways in which people are being tortured. But you know that wonderful Nazi torture where they make sure that you're still alive and working, but like your skin's gone or your teeth are gone or something. Just fun little ways that they can fuck you up without actually stopping you from being able to do labor for them. Anyways, so this goes on for, like, a few minutes, and then it starts happening that interspersed with all of these torture scenes are also sex scenes, and that's where I was like, "Mm, I don't think my brain can handle this movie. (laughs) Like, I just don't think this is something I can go through. So I texted Shane, and I was just like, yeah, I don't want to watch this. Can I, can I, can I tap out of this one? Uh, and yeah, so that's where I come in. I kind of figured that that was the moment because that was a a bold choice that the director of this movie made. And we'll get to him later. I should say, so the opening scene is this woman and she's walking down a hallway. Uh, She was called in to see a Nazi doctor. And so she's walking down the hallway and she is going past all his, um, like the victims of his experiments. Um, And when she gets to the Nazi doctor's room, she sees him and starts smiling, and he has this line where he's like, why are you smiling? And she goes, because you're the most beautiful man I've ever seen. And they have these like shots where they're looking at each other, and then that's when it goes into the really fun uh, sex torture montage. Um, And so most of this movie is not in... That is actually the only scene that takes place in the concentration camp. After that, it kind of flashes forward to the modern day and is focusing on the son of that woman and i'm gonna be real brief i'm not gonna do the blow by blow like we do on all the other movies because this movie was pretty boring it which is i know that like saying yeah it has a bunch of really graphic sex scenes in the start that's intercut with footage of uh, horrible torture it be it's kind of wild that I'm like it was boring, but it was because after that it's just a lot of talking scenes, um, and then the occasional graphic sex scene. 
basically it's it's this dude and he's despondent in life and it's a you know it's a white dude who's sad we've seen it a million times in movies and so he kind of goes through and is just sort of being all despondent and depressed and he likes to do this thing where he monologues at other people life lessons um and has sex with much younger women he's fucking he's kind of the worst and he's not a fun main character to hang out with and he works at this ad agency that basically scams young women because he lives in new york city i didn't say that before uh basically like he'll find women on the street and approach them and be like you're oh my god you have such a natural like beauty and grace to you i am a I represent models and actresses at this agency. You should come and like apply, I guess. And so then the women like show up at this big seminar and they basically like rope them into paying all these fees for what they think is like normal actress and model stuff, but is actually just a scam because all the money that they go to like all these different like photography agencies to get their headshots and stuff like that, it all just funnels back into the shell organization. And then the women never actually book any jobs. Um, And so he goes to work there and Adam Brody is a new hire and is like this young, charming dude that's like everything the main character wishes he was. Um, And then they form this like weird relationship where at first they're kind of butting heads and being all macho, but then they start hanging out and it's, they develop like kind of a friendship. Um, And Adam Brody is the, uh, the best part of this movie. (laughs) Uh, And there's a, the, the most important thing for me that I got out of this movie was that there was a scene where Adam Brody forces the main character to come with him uh, to a like a late dance club. But it's like not like a dance club, like a like rave music. It's like jazz music and like it's like kind of swanky and fancy. Um, and there's a scene where the main character is like morosely watching Adam Brody dance with a girl, which is wonderful because Adam is like kind of doing this like Frank Sinatra kind of thing where he's like swaying to this jazz music and he's got an unlit cigarette hanging out of his mouth, uh, which, you know, smoking's bad for you, but also he looks hot. Um, and, and at first I was like, I'm good with just this. That's good enough. And then Adam comes over to the main character and starts yelling at him for being a sad piece of shit and says that he should dance with a girl. And the main character's like, oh no, I don't dance. I don't know how. And Adam's like, oh, I'll teach you. And like pulls the main character up. And then there's a very long scene where they just intimately dance with each other. And like Adam teaches him how to dance with uh, a woman. And then Adam's like, okay, now you lead now. And then they switch. And, and Adam's like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. And it's like, very homoerotic and for a second i did think the movie was going to take a very gay turn and i was disappointed when it didn't because like like they dance together and there's this part where adam's like all right now let me show you a spin the ladies love a spin and he like twirls the main character in that way that you do when you're dancing with someone Mm -hmm. and the main character gets this look on his face where he's like like it's like his breath got taken away and then like obviously at the end of the scene adam the, the main character goes and sits back down and adam starts dancing with the girl again but then they have this long, like, minute-long part where the main character is just staring at Adam Brody on the dance floor in awe. And I legitimately, like, in my notes, thought, like, this is so... Like, it's gonna, right? It's gonna turn gay. And then it didn't, and it cut to him having um, just really weird... Not sex with a woman, because they there's a woman and he does, like, weird foreplay with her. And I was disappointed. 
and I didn't like it. And then after that sex scene, they cut to a scene of someone having brain surgery. So the movie was pretty much all downhill from there, except for at the end, Adam Brody scams the main character out of thousands of dollars. And I was like, hell yeah, Adam Brody, get it. Um, Yeah, there's this movie just kind of seems to have this really bummer outlook on life. Um, the, it, oh, sorry, I forgot. It also ends with the main character getting fully fucking stabbed. Oh my god, what? (laughs) Which, like, it's weird because he is played throughout the movie to, it seems like you're supposed to pity him and kind of be sympathetic towards him. And, like, it's angled in this way where you're like, yeah, but it's going to be one of those movies where, like, because it's, it's very much directed and acted like it's this prestige, like, Oscar-winning drama, right? And so you totally feel like it's going to be that one of those movies where at the end of it, the main character has learned something about life and, like, can look at life with beauty because it's so precious and fragile or whatever. Or, like, learn something about re- relationships and the way he treats women. Um, but, no, it just, it fully ends with him being stabbed. And I was all for it, especially because it, caught me off guard it's not worth watching the movie but it was like well at least this motherfucker got his um because basically at the end he loses all that money and he goes off the deep end and there's this girl that he was who he was involved with throughout the movie but she refused to have sex with him and it was clearly like pissing him off and then he goes to her house and fucking tries to assault her and she stabs him to death and it's great (laughs) and i was glad that she did that um yeah a lot of the actors in this movie are bored and dispassionate and don't put a lot of emotion into the roles, except for the mom who goes fucking ham. And her whole storyline is that, uh, that Nazi doctor that she was involved with, I totally thought she was faking being in love with him just so that she wouldn't be tortured and, um, experimented on. But it turns out that she actually was in love with the Nazi doctor. And when the war ended, he ran off and she never saw him again. And she's been carrying that sadness with her forever. And then she finds the Nazi doctor again in her old age and they have sex together in a hotel room. And the oh. movie at the end is intercut with them having sex in a hotel room and her son getting murdered. Uh, this movie's what fucking weird. The fuck? Why? So that's death and love. <laughs> who chose that? You want to oh, know God. who chose that joke? Because I would love to tell you about the writer director for this fucking flick. Oh yeah, boy, would go I? For it. The dude who directed and wrote this movie is the same guy who directed and wrote. Wait for it. Now you see me. <laughs> wait, wait, what? That is actually insane. Wait, Isn't did that... he did he write? Now you see me too. He also he um wait no he did not he produced it, but someone uh, else wrote okay. Now you see me too. It okay. is. It's that isn't that fucking bonkers? Like, cause Now you see me too is like one of the goofiest like it's a fun movie it has no internal logic which is a different podcast but it's such a fun movie but it's like fun it's quippy it's like not the most depressing thing i've ever had to sit through for an hour and a half it it just it blows my mind that it's by the same dude it absolutely blows my mind and it's weird too that like the Nazi stuff is involved because they don't really explore. Like you'd think it would be an exploration of generational trauma, which it like almost tries to be, but then doesn't really commit and is, and is instead just kind of about boring sex. Like, and so the, 
the dude who wrote these movies, he is he is Jewish, and he also lived in Palestine as a kid for a really long time, and like has a book about the horrible stuff he witnessed there. So like, I am I'm not Jewish, and I'm not going to tell anyone how to they explored their generational trauma and try and express that through art. Like that's not something I I want or think I should do. Uh, but it's it it doesn't feel like that's what he was doing here, and I don't know what it was he was doing. Mm. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to sit through a boring movie. But it's payback. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, anyway, so about Now You See Me. Uh, they're working on Now You See Me 3, which it already pisses me off that Now You See Me 2 wasn't called Now You Don't. Now but, You okay, See Me, go- yeah, yeah. They're going for the trilogy, right? They're, they're saying part three. It's gonna, This is the new Lord of the Rings. Let's fucking bring this thing home. And it pisses me off because it is just going to be called Now You See Me 3. And I have sent, I have sent Sony my spec scripts. And <laughs> they could have at least had the common decency to steal the title of Now You 3 Me from my script. But they didn't even do that. They couldn't even do that for me. Like, if you're not going to do Now You Don't because you're trying to do the trilogy, I understand. But you can at least call the third one Now You 3 Me. Like, it's right <laughs> there. Anyway, I'm really excited to see Now You See Me 3 in theaters, and I give Death and Love a 4 out of 10. Okay. That and Brody dancing scene really carried it. No, it sounds incredible. I kind of want to just watch that scene. Yeah. I, it, mm. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth all... I mean, it, that's if you were just to watch that scene, I think that would be worth the 10 minutes. Okay. Just be careful, because again immediately afterwards it cuts to more weird sex scenes you want to set up the next movie yeah sure so um i (laughs) i sorry i just loved that voice i i wish that we had time to explore that character that you just created in that moment (laughs) that character is just called me being very tired (laughs) um so this this is a little movie with a lot of a lot of like fairly well-known people, Katie Holmes, Anna Paquin, um, mm-hmm. Deanna Argon has a small role. Elijah Woods in it. Jeremy Strong is in it. Lots of cool people um, that I got very excited because I just started watching it and I didn't really know who's going to be in it. So I got excited that there is quite a quite a good cast here. Um, the plot is basically just about this group of college friends coming back together because two of the college friends are getting married. Mm-hmm. And then there's this drama because there's kind of a love triangle between the three of them. And you kind of find out more in depth what that relationship was as the movie goes on. Um, but Adam Brody plays um, Jake, who is one of the other friends. And I should say the, the like group of friends, they're all kind of in couples there's like three yeah. different couples, one of whom one of two of them are already married, and they're having the weddings for two of them, and the other two are like not married, which is a <laughs> problem apparently. Are like not married. Yeah. Should I like? Do you want to kind of go more like throughout the? Do you want to do a more specific plot, or do you kind of want to just share thoughts? Because I don't take good notes, so I kind of just have a bunch of thoughts. 
I didn't take I didn't take any notes, and I'm gonna blame Crackle because it was for free on Crackle, and I watched it on that. But then during all the ad breaks, I'd get really distracted, and I'd start playing Minecraft, and then I'd forget to stop playing Minecraft for like ten minutes into the next section of the movie it showed me because <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> uh, so I didn't take good notes either. I can do a really quick run through of like. Because it, it doesn't it doesn't have a fast paced plot really. No, you know, no, like, not at all. There's some really basic plot points. Um, basically, the okay, so the people getting married are two people, Lila and Tom. And before Tom started dating Lila, he was in a series with a he's in a serious relationship with another person in the group named Laura. Um, you find out later that those relationships kind of overlapped. Whoops. Uh, and then Laura is the maid of honor at the wedding. And she's kind of fucking pissed that they're getting married, uh, which, again, you find out later. It's because Tom slept with her the night before he went and engage, uh, got engaged to Lila. Also, it fucks me up that these two girls got both got L names. I, get, I kept getting confused throughout the whole movie. Also, all the people in the friend group were famous in college because of their... They use the term incestuous dating history, which... I get why that's the term because they all dated each other at some point or like tried to date each other or hooked up with each other. Um, but that's a bad way of putting it, yeah. guys. You can come up with a yep. different way of saying it. Yep. Uh, but basically, they have a history of all kind of having things for each other. And guess what? Being married and adults does not stop that. The plot of the movie is they're all gonna they're all gonna go for it. They're all gonna <laughs> kind of swap. Basically. Laura's mad at Tom throughout the whole thing and they have an argument where she's like, why would you do this to me? And he's like, I'm getting married. And she's like, but you love me, right? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And then his wife's like, you love me, right? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And then he's like, wait, I don't know. And then both of them are kind of like, you're an idiot. Um, And then, uh, okay, so Jake, played by Adam Brody, is in a relationship with a character named Wheezy, who I assume has a different name than that that her parents gave her. Um, and then there's a character named Pete, who is married to a character named Tripler, who they call Trip sometimes, and they're actually married. Uh, at Over the course of the movie, Jake and Trip make out, and Pete and Wheezy go skinny dipping. Um, those two plot lines of because basically like tom goes missing on the night of the wedding they'll go look for him right and then they switch partners because i don't remember why who cares uh those no, two the, it the was scenes... because it was actually pretty funny it was because laura didn't want to be with um lila's brother who's the place who's played, played by, by elijah, elijah wood, wood yeah who was just kind of an asshole to her so she was like let's switch partners so i don't have to be with him again and then like just the two of them switched and she was still forced to be with him yeah, that is funny. You're right. Okay, so that's why. But okay, the scenes with those two pairings, because it seems like even though they've been friends for years, they don't really know each other anymore, which I guess is what adulthood does to friendships. And man, that's depressing. <laughs> um, and so they like talk and like confess things about their lives and their insecurities and stuff together. And even though, yeah, they're all terrible pers- people because they are all cheating on everyone, the scenes were really still pretty cute. I think mostly yeah. because the actors are all really charming. Like, I think there's a reason that they got so many really well-known people to play these characters, and it's because the characters are terrible people, and that's the point, and I'm willing to, you know, go along with that. Um, but in order for them to get away with it, you have to have charming people playing these terrible people, right? 
So yeah, they did a good job, and I was pulled in by that. And then uh, at the end of the movie, oh, sorry, I do want to talk about Elijah Wood just real quick. Elijah was my boy. Elijah Wood melts my heart. I would do literally. I would do anything for Elijah Wood if I like number one pick for a person who if once we run out of Adam Brody things we have to switch topics for the podcast I'd love to do a podcast just about Elijah Wood um (laughs) he I he I don't he's his little boyish face and his blue blue eyes like I oh man I'd do anything do anything for Elijah Wood and even though he's an asshole in this movie and at one point I think he says something pretty racist which is part of the character I um, I like I how the, you you had to state that was part of the character, not Elijah's Elijah Wood's views. Yeah, there's not a part in the movie where Elijah Wood stops, <laughs> turns at the camera, and says, "My name's Elijah Wood. This isn't part of the movie. <laughs> Here's my racist thought." <laughs> Elijah Wood's a delight, and I was glad that he was briefly in this movie, because uh, he should be in every movie at least briefly. Um, what's the important part? Oh yeah, so basically, Tom and Laura then, because she Laura abandons chip because he's drunk off his ass and then she's the one who finds tom and he's like freaking out about the wedding because it's his wedding night and that's i guess what people do on their wedding night um especially if they've been cheating on their fiance the whole time and then they like confront each other and are yelling at each other and are so mad and throwing insults back and forth and then they hook up because of course they do uh and then laura wakes up in the morning and tom's vanished again she's like ah shit it's time to get ready for the wedding. So everyone's getting ready for the wedding. Uh, there's a B-plot where the sister of the bride rips the dress. No one cares. It doesn't really come up. And then Laura, I guess, feels guilty and tells Lila, by the way, I've been, we've been cheating. Your, your husband has been cheating on you this whole time with me. Lol, sorry. She tries to do this thing where she's like, I'm trying to save you from a bad marriage because he doesn't actually love you. And then Lila, it, like, Obviously, that's a bullshit excuse because it's more just for her own guilt, but it's also not totally untrue. And so Lila, instead of being a normal person being like, hey, yeah, my fiance has been cheating on me for our, our, like, our entire relationship. Maybe this is mm-hmm. a bad idea. She gets pissed at Laura and calls her a bitch and says she's awful, which is dumb. Like, it's, it's just very... that. Is so dumb. I, I guess I get, like, she doesn't want to admit that they clearly have issues, even though over the course of the movie, they clearly have issues that they are terrible at talking about with each other. Um, but she's like, no, we're going through at the wedding. So everyone goes outside as, to the wedding, and the mom had had this premonition earlier, like, oh, my fuck, it's going to rain. Everyone's like, shut up, it's not going to rain. So obviously you know it's going to rain. And so they're outside at the wedding, and... <laughs> the priest is like Tom and Lila have written their own vows because they love each other and then Tom starts to do his vows but clearly he hasn't fucking written anything and he's just sort of making up bullshit on the spot and it's he awkward. literally says he literally says there are no words to describe how much I love you and then just goes quiet so he's like so I guess I won't speak because there's no words <laughs> that's what it, he says there's no words I literally have nothing to say and then he stops good goof uh, and then everything starts, it starts raining, everyone runs inside, except for Tom and Laura, who stand there, staring at each other. Roll credits. That's the romantics. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so, I, I was actually into this movie. Like, it had a lot of flaws, it wasn't perfect, 
but it was charming. It was short enough. I think that the writing was clever. It had a lot of parts I really liked and thought were funny. It had a lot of good quips. Um, mm-hmm. One of my complaints was that Lila, the bride, is just so underdeveloped. She's barely in, like, the first half of the film. Yeah. And, like, she's just kind of... She's, like, not a part of the friend group, had, like, the rest of them. So she was just kind of boring and bland, and I think that that could have been done better. There is this little scene I like between her and her younger sister where the younger sister is, like, mom always likes having projects, so once the wedding's over, she's going to, like, start bothering me about my life. And Lila says, um, which is, is, I don't want the attention from mom. And Lila goes... I think you'll be spared, which I took as meaning like Lila herself doesn't even think that this wedding is going to go through. So she's like, don't even worry about it. That's not going to be an issue. (laughs) And that might be me reading into things too much, but like, that's how I took it. And I thought that was a really clever scene. Um, Yeah. I thought... Diana Argon was mostly useless. Like you said, like, there's this whole side plot where she rips the dress, but it's all pointless. Her role was unnecessary, which I feel bad saying because I like the actress. Yeah. But her role was really unnecessary. Um, Other than that one scene you just talked about, like, she doesn't actually function much to develop yeah. anything. Um, a line I loved was... Uh, yeah, I was headed for greatness. Now I'm just headed for a breakdown. Because <laughs> I was in a moment <laughs> when I heard that line, I thought that I was like, "Oh, Joe's gonna like that line." <laughs> yeah, that just you know that sung out to me. I couldn't get over the fact that when they, when Laura and Tom like hooked up the night before his wedding, yeah, he then just left her lying in the lawn. Like he's not so, a good dude. That's so cruel. Like it broke my heart that he would do that. That's the thing that I disliked the most about the movie is that he, out of everyone, is th- the worst. Like, doesn't really have many. Re- like, doesn't have any redeeming qualities that I could really tell. Like, it, he's mo- he's kind of just a a mess who is juggling these two women, and it doesn't come to back to bite him in the ass at all. Because both yeah. of them are totally willing to accept the fact that he is terrible to them. Even when they, like, they confront each other about how terrible he is. But the conversation is not about how terrible he is. It's actually about how terrible they both, they are. They get mad at each other instead of, like, I, they can be mad at each other. Kind of. Like, Lila can definitely be mad at Laura. and But, like, Lila doesn't get mad at Tom at all. Like, not even a throwaway line about how she's pissed at him, too. Like No, literally, it, and there's a scene, there's a scene where she, um, she fucking asks him, she asks him, she says, you love me, right? And he's like, yes. And she's like, why do you love me? And he goes, I don't know why I love you. And she, <laughs> she doesn't even see an issue. She just goes, I think you're tired. Let's just get ready for the wedding tomorrow. It's like, like girl, man. come on. N- that's not a red flag at all you don't think maybe they've been dating for years they say they've been dating for years like he he could come up with something right if she makes good pancakes or something like that come on man just simple stuff yeah literally yeah uh tom is an idiot <laughs> he sucks uh but i do i do agree there are 
moments where the writing like really grabbed me and had me like totally engaged and involved. There was this one line um, where she was kind of just talking about their college experience and the highs and lows of the relationship. And she said, night's so fun. They explain the evolutionary purpose of talking. And I was like, yeah, oh, oof, that is a good one. That is a good one. It has some de- it has some decent writing in it. I all I do think that like the people in it are all sort of I mean clearly they're dysfunctional and they're all sort of depressed about how dysfunctional they are but aren't really doing anything to fix their situations. And so the writing of the movie definitely appeals to a very specific type of mindset. I like this is a thought I had while watching the movie where I'm like I'm really into this right now because it's sort of the headspace I'm in. But I don't know if it's... Like, I feel like it was something where if I watched it at a slightly different time, I could have hated the entire movie because of it's sort of... um, I don't even know what the right word is. It sort of has a a give up kind of (laughs) attitude. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't don't learn from your mistakes, just keep making them kind of thing. There's this one scene uh, near the end where... Tom is, like, getting ready for the morning, and he can't decide where to part his hair. So he goes out to his groomsmen, and he's like, should I do it this way or this way? And Jake, Adam Brody's character, just looks at him and so exasperated goes, just choose a side. And it's so, that that was fucking hilarious that that is such a loaded response with everything going on. He's like, just choose a side. Come on. It was fantastic. Yeah. That's a good fucking line. Yeah, I, it's pretty decently decently written. But I think the, the point that I was trying to get at is I do not think that everybody who watches this movie is going to be into it. Oh, no, Especially no, no. Especially because of how terrible people everyone is. <laughs> I was surprised because I I really enjoyed it, so I went to look on Letterboxd, and most people fucking hated this movie. Um, I'll read Which a couple. Which is fair. I'll, I'll, do you want me to read a couple of reviews? Because I think that's my new favorite thing is to read uh, okay. funny Letterboxd reviews. Can we rate it first before we go into Letterboxd? Sure, let me say my one last thing then. Okay. Um, it's just that there was a... There was a moment where a song started playing, and I was like, why does that voice sound so familiar? And I was like, I'm pretty sure that is ex-girlfriend and lead singer of The Shortcoats. And so I looked it up, and it was. It was a song by Laureen Scafara, who is the lead singer of The Shortcoats. Oh, shit. That's cool. Yeah, and I have no idea if the connection was because Adam was in this movie or... If it's just a weird coincidence or whatever, but she has a super cool friends. voice. So, oh, she has two mo- songs in. It. She has two songs in it. That's cool, huh? Yeah, I really like her voice. I like the shortcuts a lot. Joe, what would you rate this movie? I would, honest to God, give this a seven out of ten. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I will give it also a, a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten questionable hookups. Yep, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah, it feels right. Okay, you ready? You ready for our letterboxed review? Yeah. Okay, this one's this one's by Spencer Verse, who gave it two stars. 
You know it's bad when Adam Brody can't save your movie. Oh, too true. Too true. Yeah, I think there's a lot of movies we've watched for this show that we have rated maybe a little bit higher than they deserve purely because Adam is in it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have yeah, more? Is that sure. the main one? No, that was, that was, there was another one, but it was too long. So I'm not going to read that shit. All right. Uh, quick, quick soundtrack check on this movie. The songs are all decent. Like we said, Lorene Scafaria from Shortcuts does have two songs. The song that I was excited about on the soundtrack is a song by the zombies, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh-huh. I fucking love that song as well. Yeah. Good fucking song. I just I I want to point out whenever a movie we watch has a good song on the soundtrack cuz that's always even if it's a bad movie, that is always a point where I get to like perk up and be excited again. I have a news article that I want to briefly share with you that stumbled oh. into my inbox this morning. Oh, interesting. Uh the headline, I'll keep this real brief cuz there's not a lot here. Shazam 2 star wants to act better in the upcoming movie sequel. I'd like you who to is, take a guess which actor uh, says that they wish that, that they... Who Which actor from the movie, sh- sh- the first Shazam, says that they hope that they can act better in the sequel? Now, I can't tell if this is one of the adults and it's kind of funny and ironic, or if it's one of the kids and it's actually deeply sad. <laughs> I'm going to say that I'm going to say that Asher Angel Angel said that. Uh unfortunately, it is not Asher Angel. Not unfortunately, he did a great job. I don't <laughs> wish that he acted better. Uh it was our our very own boy Jack Dylan Blazer. No, not Jack S- Dylan Blazer. Just did an interview where he said that he was not satisfied with his performance in the first Shazam and he really wants to do a better job in the sequel, which is wild because if you read reviews for the first Shazam, literally every single one says that he is like a surprising highlight of the movie. Like there are multiple reviews where they say that he outshines Zachary Levi, which if someone can say that about you, if someone can say that you outshine fucking Flynn Rider himself and you're unsatisfied with that, Wild. Well, you forget Jack Dylan Blazer is basically a Disney prince himself now. Oh my god, you're right, because of Luca. Yeah. Dude, like, <laughs> I, if you, the the article that I'm reading this on, which is from a, a random ass website I've never even heard of, um, which has a news article to the side I am just now seeing that says Greta Gerwig is going to direct a live action Barbie movie, and I can't even <laughs> process that information right now. Um... <laughs> The article that I'm reading reads into it and says that because Jack Dylan Grazer has sort of matured a lot as an actor, he just did that HBO series, We Are Who yeah. We Are, where it's like, you know, like very raw and emotional. It has a lot of nuance to it. And so this article kind of uh, speculates that he's hoping that he can bring some of that, like some more emotional depth to Freddy, who is basically just a comic relief character in the first mm-hmm. one. Um, so I'm good with that. It is still wild that he, the way he phrased it is, I want to act better. Cause Jack, if you're listening, we think you acted great. He's not. You don't know. I Let uh, me dream. <laughs> Adam might be, and Adam has a direct line. Hey, Adam, Jack. Adam, if you're listening, just tell Jack we think he's doing a great job. A fantastic job. Like, I've seen Luca, what now? Three times? 
and it makes me cry every single time. So And also, fucking... obviously, Jack's TikToks are so funny. He's so funny on TikTok. I haven't. You did send me that one, though. Um, I guess Greta Gerwig is directing a live-action Barbie movie. <laughs> I'm going to take a look at that later and get back to you, because th- that's either going to be wonderful or the weirdest fucking thing I ever watch. I think I think it'll I think it can be both. It can be both, yeah. You know that vine where it's the lady and it's the blonde lady and she does the perfect Barbie impression? Like spot on Barbie impression. Hi, I'm Barbie. Let's go for a ride. What the fuck kind of weather is this? Yeah. Yeah. Lives in my head rent free. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so we got an email. We got an email from longtime listener Eliza. Thank you, Eliza. We always love it when you like our tweets and stuff. Um, and she had some very good points. First about um, just that, which we touched a little bit on Jennifer's body, la- when we talked about Jennifer's bodies last week, how it was kind of dealing with a lot of topics that it was hard for it to discuss because of the age it was at, you know, because mm-hmm. um, of the time it was at. Um, but Eliza also made a very good point, uh, or a very interesting point that, um, this is one of Adam's more known things, um, next to the OC, and it's pretty interesting since it's a kind of different role, you know, the one he played in Jennifer's Body is kind of different role than a lot of the ones he got thrown, uh, a lot of the comedic relief kind of roles he would get thrown, so it's really interesting that, um... A lot of people know him from this. Yeah, I I would, I would say that I think more more so like directly following the OC, Adam fully had this persona of like this sweet, sensitive, you know, he Seth Cohen, like a sweet, well-meaning, nerdy guy who is still attractive, and immediately following that, as we've seen in uh, literally every fucking thing that we've watched since the OC, is that he is not doing the he's not doing Seth Cohen anymore like he is Mm -hmm. seemingly intentionally picking roles that subvert that expectation and I think Jennifer's body might be the one where that works the best because his character is such a grade a douchebag and is in fact uh an enemy to women when he was formerly you know like I think Seth Cohen was voted like the most attractive tv character maybe definitely once maybe twice like Adam Brody, Adam Brody was like famous for being like heartthrob. He's a teen heartthrob. Yeah. And then to come out and be like, I'm going to star in this uh, f- pretty feminist movie and I'm going to be a dick in it. Like you're not going to want to root for me at all is a cool thing to do. And Eliza points out that it's cool that he is aware of that persona that he built for himself and was also sort of assigned and that he's willing to toy with his public image like that because a lot of actors if you get famous for doing this persona you don't want that to go away you want people to keep liking you and keep liking that persona so you're going to play into it more and more and more um a example that an example that comes to mind would be like zoe deschanel how she started getting those quirky girl roles and now that's just sort of her thing i i do i think that that's a really cool aspect of Adam Brody's career and Eliza points out that we didn't really touch on it in the episode and I think she's right sometimes it's hard to remember to do that when we're sitting we're watching like you know one or two movies every single week it's hard to remember to look at the big picture because we just want to talk about the thing that we just saw yeah Um, yeah 
All great points. The best point in the email, though, comes in the postscript, uh, which I will read right now. Eliza writes, P.S. There is a single thread that connects Nikolai Wolf to Colin Gray, and that is sweet, sweet guyliner, and I couldn't agree more. (laughs) We've said it before, we say it again. More Adam Brody with guyliner, because it's a great look. Don't call it guyliner. Call it what it is. Pretty, pretty makeup. It's eye, it's eyeliner, and it's pretty makeup, and he's a, he's a beautiful princess. Did I overcorrect? <laughs> no, I think it was still perfect. Um, I feel like she said one other thing. Oh, it, this email also does tie into my favorite Adam Brody article I've ever read, which is, please, 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 Hollywood, stop casting Adam Brody as douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, if someone wants to read that i highly recommend it it's very brief and you can google it i think it's on like medium or something where it's just someone begging with hollywood to stop having adam brody play terrible people uh because she had a huge crush on seth cohen when she was in high school it's good stuff so shane and if people want to contact us like eliza did how can they do that well there are a few different methods the one that eliza used is because she had like a lot to say which is always wonderful to for us to read we get so excited i like we literally text each other like did you see we got an email uh which sounds sadder than i think it is <laughs> um you can email us at brodyquestpod at gmail.com you can also reach out to us and follow us on twitter uh at brodyquestpod because that's that's a great way of like you know i don't know you want to tweet something real quick at us like uh I don't know, a short form insult or compliment. Don't insult us, though. That's kind of mean. <laughs> or you want to stay up to date with what's happening with the, the podcast. If an episode's going to be late or it's not going to come out at all, um, that is the place that we're going to say so. And it's also the place that from now on, I will be tweeting out what we're going to be talking about in the next week's episode. Uh, so you can kind of follow along like some sort of weird, demented Adam Brody book club. <laughs> And please, please tell your friends, either if you have friends that like Adam Brody or if you have friends you're trying to force to like Adam Brody. Yeah. It'd be just, we appreciate it so much if you spread this so more people can join our demented Adam Brody book club. Yeah. And maybe like leave a review on whatever thing you listen to it on so strangers on the internet who we don't know personally can see those nice reviews and think, hmm, maybe this weird podcast premise is worth my time. (laughs) Um, we did miss two episodes in a row, I think now two weeks ago, a couple weeks back. And I feel very guilty about that because it was sort of, it was kind of my fault because I didn't think ahead enough. And so we were like, oh, we'll just delay one week and it'll be fine. And we'll just get the episode out late and then do another episode right after that. And I forgot that I was going to be out of town. uh, So I didn't tell Joe until the last minute and it was just sort of a mess. So we ended up completely missing two episodes. Um, but I have evil plans. I'm going to make up for those two missed episodes and there's going to be two bonus episodes at some point, hopefully very soon. Uh, I have assembled all of the, the pieces that I needed to put together to make that happen. Oh, oh, you have. Oh, I have. And it's okay. I'm a scared. little scary. <laughs> yeah, you should be. Okay. Well, with that, Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Brody Quest. I'm Josette. And I'm Shannon. And remember, Adam Brody says your future's bright. <laughs>